Welcome, dear listeners across all time, space, frequencies, and dimensions to the Mental Pop Podcast brought to you by Primordial Productions. My name is Mad, and I'll be your host today in what just happens to be a very special episode, as this is not only the first episode of the new year, and I hope everyone had a great and safe and fear-free holiday with family and friends, uh, but it's also the first episode of Season 2 of this little podcast, and I hope you'll check out www.mentalpop.space for a complete archive of all of our previous episodes, as well as a blog. I try to keep updated over there uh, every week or two. Uh, so be sure to check out mentalpop.space, drop me a line, or uh, click the microphone icon, leave me a voice message. Uh, likewise, you can join the mailing list over there, and once enough people join the mailing list, I'll start sending out something every couple weeks, uh, some special messages to your inbox. Uh, so I hope some people will consider joining the mailing list. Uh, likewise, you can find me at mentalpop31 on Facebook, as well as our private group called Conspiracult on Facebook if you want to get in on some of the discussion. And thanks to those handful of people out there who support this podcast, uh, as well as the website and the social media pages. Before we continue, I'd like to wish a very special birthday to David Bowie today, who passed away in 2016, of course, and this would have marked his 75th birthday this weekend. And I'll never forget hearing uh, the news in the early a.m. hours of January 10th, So I was actually up and listening to the newly released Black Star album uh, as the press releases of his death began circulating. And in terms of Black Star, I honestly, I consider it to be one of the most important albums of all time. I've listened to it uh, over a hundred times by now. And one special note I'd like to reveal is that if you take the album Black Star and you insert the No Plan EP, starting with the song Lazarus, and then you end the album with the alternate version of Sue, or In a Season of Crime, uh, from the Nothing Has Changed album, if you put it on there as a bonus track, then Black Star has 11 songs in exactly 100 minutes. And to me, uh, that represents the unreleased deluxe edition of Black Star, as it was actually meant to be experienced. So maybe give that a try if you want a new Bowie experience. And speaking of new Bowie experiences, uh, the never-before-released Bowie album entitled Toy is now streaming this weekend in honor of his birthday as well as his death. And I've been looking forward to checking out that album. We also can't continue forward without giving uh, a mention of the passing of the legendary actress and comedian Betty White, who was on the verge of her 100th birthday. And you know what? I think we're all just going to we're gonna let her have it. She made it to 100 and the best way to celebrate her life is probably to give to the hashtag Betty White Challenge to commemorate her lifetime involvement in animal charities and give a little bit of a donation to the animal charity of your choice in honor of the always hilarious and lovable Betty White. Her death was definitely not a fun way uh, to start off 2022. And we also lost legendary actor Sidney Poitier uh, this weekend. So it's been a notable start for celebrity deaths already in 2022. Yes, somehow, some way, we made it to 2022. At least I hope we've all made it out there and haven't yet succumbed to Biden's morbid winter of death and disease for all of us unvaccinated, uh, contemptible sewer rats. I myself have been sick uh, from the tsunami tidal wave of surging sickness and the avalanche of illness with a little thing that I call a head cold. Yes, I had a head cold all last week, and it sucked, and I got through it. And I'm thankful to say I survived uh, with the help of some vitamins and NyQuil. But the worst thing about having a head cold is that I, I just started a new job, and I was forced to call in sick after only my second week, uh, but there was nothing that could uh, really be done about it. Uh, and here we are, feeling much better, still a little under the weather, uh, but feeling much better, and putting out yet another damn episode of this Mental Pop podcast for some reason. That's beyond my understanding why I keep putting these out, but here we are anyway. Yes, I was part of the so-called Great Resignation at the end of 2021, as I quit a job I'd been at for two years in order to try a new job. It has a much better schedule, and it pays the same amount of money. I wanted something that was a little bit more flexible and a lot less corporate, and I'm thankful to say I found something uh, decent. Uh, it's close to home. I started to feel trapped at my previous job, as many people do. And not only trapped, but trapped with other people 
who felt trapped and had been there for 10 years and felt that there was no escape. Me, I had to escape and take a chance on something new that allows me more free time, evenings and weekends off, and a, a fuck ton of less responsibility and bullshit to deal with, uh, quite honestly. And hey, maybe the new job, it won't work out. I'll have to find something else in six months from now, uh, but that's okay. Because in the meantime, it's paying some bills, allowing me uh, a little bit more time to be creative and productive and work on uh, some personal things, uh, some uh, things I'd like to accomplish, some goals. Um, doesn't require merely being a faceless cog in a corporate machine and a wage slave buried under endless debt. Gonna take a moment here, here in just a little bit, uh, to read an article, a recent blog post I posted uh, at the website, uh, mentalpop.space, in regard to some COVID facts and statistics uh, with some newly added commentary. Quite frankly, I'm tired of hearing about it. I'm tired of covering it. But I can't help to want to point out some various flaws and bullshit of the official narrative and ask some major questions in regards to the supposed facts as they're being presented to us. I guess I have a sick perversion uh, that I feel I must point out hypocrisy of uh, politicians, uh, the media, and corporations. I've always wanted to point out the hypocrisy of our supposed authority figures and the media. And if you've been paying any attention in recent weeks, the official narrative is uh, now almost done a complete 180 in many regards. Six months ago, if you talked about natural antibodies, you'd be blocked or flagged on Twitter and other social media outlets. And now the mainstream narrative, uh, narrative is that Omicron is so mild uh, that it's going to provide some much-needed antibodies and help people fight serious infections. Six months ago, you'd have been blocked and flagged and questioned if you have questioned COVID hospitalizations and deaths. But now Fauci and several states are changing the way they are counting hospitalizations and deaths, with Fauci himself stating that most of the cases of hospitalized children are from unrelated causes that just so happen to test positive for COVID while already in the hospital for something completely unrelated. And that this is also, in fact, uh, the case with most hospitalizations uh, that are, are supposedly being overwhelmed. It's people who are uh, coming uh, from several states uh, across the country. Uh, let's see. It's people who are coming in from unrelated causes. Excuse me. It's people who are coming in for unrelated causes and are testing positive for COVID. And we hear about all these overwhelmed hospitals that are flooding over with COVID patients. And it's simply not true. And the discussion is now opening up in several states across the country that if we were to do an audit and count those who have died from COVID as opposed to those who have died with COVID, those are very different stats and facts. And that's something myself and many others have been saying for over a year. And I'm not the only one. That if you count those who died from COVID directly as opposed to dying from something unrelated, uh, yet also testing positive uh, from COVID, uh, the mortality rate would probably be cut in half. Likewise, now Fauci and other so-called experts are stating that we should only pay attention to mortality rates and stop paying attention to positive infection rates. I never understood why we were paying such morbid attention to daily COVID tracking positive infection rates to begin with, other than to sell the fear, sell the fear, and sell the fear. To give reason for more governmental overreach uh, and restrictions. And lockdown measures, because positive infection rates, which are now supposedly at over 1 million a day in the United States, are mostly due to the Omicron variant, which is considered very mild, in which there have been, so far, no deaths. Yes, that's right, no deaths, despite the fact that the CDC now states that up to 70% of all cases in the United States are now the Omicron variant. And once again, no one is dying from it. The experts are now even declaring it a positive thing and highlighting natural immunity for the first goddamn time in two years. Seriously, how many people have had their posts deleted or flagged in the past two years for talking about natural immunity? Probably hundreds of thousands, if not millions of posts and articles across social media and the internet, including those by actual doctors and scientists. But now they are heralding natural immunity stemming from Omicron as being a game changer and a way to finally end the pandemic. And, if you're like me, you realize that over a year ago, it was already well known that vaccines would not stop people from carrying COVID, testing positive for COVID, and still being able to spread COVID. Yet, once again, that was a topic that would get you flagged, blocked, or banned just six to nine months ago. 
Now it's common knowledge. And everybody knows that fully vaxxed people, even those super virtuous people who have gotten a booster and will get another booster until they are told they can stop doing it, now it's common knowledge that even the fully vaxxed still test positive, can still get sick, and can still spread COVID. Not only that, uh, but more than half, probably around 70% of people who have so far tested positive for the Omicron uh, variant are fully vaxxed and boosted people. And somewhat surprisingly, even groups like the World Health Organization at John Hopkins University are now saying uh, that we have been overreacting to COVID, especially at this point in the narrative. And also that there's no legitimate reason for children under 18 to be vaxxed, double vaxxed, or boosted. That the illness rate and especially the death rate of children due to COVID is infinitesimally low. And that being in school is the safest place they can be. In many ways, the experts and media are slowly doing a complete 180 turnaround to what they were saying just six months ago. And what normal people like you and me were getting flagged and banned and ridiculed for uh, over the past year and the year before that. And thankfully, a lot of hospitals and clinics are now asking people to please actually have some damn symptoms before coming in for a COVID test every other week. Yes, what a novel idea. Instead of getting tested every few weeks or every month with absolutely no symptoms, why not wait until you're actually at least kind of sick before uh, you clog up the med checks and doctor's offices and hospitals with rampant hypochondria and neurosis and downright mental illness. It's almost as if the, uh, the knuckleheads and the nick and poops and disgusting corporate shills are finally realizing they've pushed the lie just about as far as it can go. The wheels are falling off and the facade is starting to fade. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. And for some of us, a lot of the past month's worth of COVID news has been somewhat vindicating. As we're watching the illusion fade in real time and the experts and media outlets squirm and their own overhyped, fear-mongering, record-breaking, profit, corporate, pharmaceutical bullshit narrative. The lie has gotten too big, with conflicting information after conflicting information and double standards and sheer hypocrisy. Guess what? In America, tens of millions of people are still resisting and continuing to point out the flaws in the logic and the flaws in the supposed facts while around the globe, hundreds of millions of people are doing the same thing with mass protests, mass resistance online and elsewhere. They want to act like those who are resisting are a fringe but vocal minority, when in actuality, that so-called fringe minority consists of hundreds of millions of people around the world, including doctors, nurses, scientists, teachers, police officers, military personnel, and what we would normally otherwise consider to be respectable and contributing members to society. Yes, there are still a lot of people who are going to act like uh, this is the worst thing in the world and the sky is falling, keep peddling nonsense and overinflating the stats and figures from both mainstream media and just your average everyday person who won't admit that they've been duped and conned and fooled. And yes, there's still the stupidity and double standards that they are now letting certain workers, such as frontline workers, return to work if they still have mild symptoms as long as they've been fully vaxxed while firing perfectly healthy unvaxxed workers even though the BS facade of asymptomatic is also slowly getting exposed and tossed out the window due to the fact that breakthrough infections are running rampant, even amongst large groups of fully vaxxed uh, people. Of course, certain media outlets and big pharma goons and typical triple-vaxxed COVID fear-mongers are still going to exist. We're still going to have lots of people driving around alone in their car with a mask on and acting like complete goobers. And some folks will keep milking COVID for all it's worth. Yet one can't help but to think, unfortunately, that a lot of this 180 in regards to the mainstream narrative of COVID is to try to make this administration and Joe Biden look better. Biden, whose approval ratings is now among the worst of any president ever in history, and despite all of his flexing and threats, has now admitted there is no federal response to COVID, and it's up to individual states to deal with the issue in their own way. Biden, who is providing 500 million test kits to Americans, despite the fact that it's stated that home tests are far less effective at detecting Omicron, and despite the fact that hospitals are now asking asymptomatic people to stop coming in for tests, 
And despite the fact that the CDC is, is now stating uh, that testing is almost useless, since some people will still test positive for months after initially having COVID, even if they have no symptoms or have been uh, completely have gotten over whatever sickness they might have initially had. It's been painful to watch all of this and pay any real attention to it, where you ask honest questions and do honest research and don't just live in fear and line up and get your three shots and your bi-weekly tests and do whatever the hell you're told because you've been forced to believe that it's for the greater good and that you're doing your part and that you're a hero and you're on the right side of history by getting quadruple vaxxed in 14 months, canceling Thanksgiving and Christmas and your vacation, getting rid of all your unvaccinated friends while acting like you're the victim. Y'all talk about mentally ill. I've been going to work every day for the past three years now, and it's unbelievable that I still see articles about people who are fearful and hesitant to return to work, and they don't feel safe going back to work after three damn years. And I mean, who the fuck wants to go to work? Who just loves their job? I sure as hell don't. But we can't all work from home or depend on stimuluses and refunds and tax credits to support us for the rest of our lives. I'm sorry, but unless you have other underlining illnesses and are truly concerned uh, for legitimate health reasons to be in the workplace amongst actual human beings, at this point you're either lazy or full of shit. That's all I can think of when I see articles of Amidst Omicron surge, many people are hesitant to return to work. And hell, if you don't have to work or you can work from home, good for you. I have nothing against you at all. But for everyone else who is using COVID as an excuse for their fear or anxiety as to why they won't or don't think they can go get an actual job or go to an actual job, maybe, maybe you need some mental help. And I don't say there with any ounce of ridicule or uh, being derogatory because I've been there and I deal with depression and anxiety on a daily basis myself. But I'm being honest, those who are truly afraid to return to work because of COVID, maybe you need some actual psychological help at this point. The fact that some people are still milking COVID as an excuse not to return to work is a big reason why COVID keeps dragging on and on. Likewise, uh, those people who are working and keep getting tested for COVID with no symptoms and then can be out with COVID four times a year all while still being paid. COVID has become a bi-monthly paid vacation for some people. Healthy hypochondriac asymptomatics is a big reason why COVID keeps dragging on and on. The media has played a huge part, of course, but a lot of average people who are obsessed with COVID uh, overreactions definitely plays a role in why COVID just won't end. Common and every, average everyday people simply refuse to let go of the fear and anxiety and worry that has been manipulated within them, as well as the p political division that has been manipulated within them in regards to COVID. So anyway, here's a recent blog post in which we examine some of the most notable COVID news from the past few weeks, in particular the fact that nearly 75% of all supposed COVID deaths in the United States comes from people over the age of 65 who already made up roughly 90% of all U.S. deaths on an annual basis. Like you, I'm inundated, or some would say infected, with COVID dozens of times daily in every possible news feed I might view. And probably like you, I'm also asking some serious questions in regards to the official narrative. With so many conflicting reports, sketchy statistics, and goalposts that are constantly moved, it's hard to believe anybody is able to take this at mainstream face value with, at the very least, uh, having some healthy skepticism. And if you are asking some serious questions, good for you! 75% of the population seems to be stuck in an autopilot loop of endless boosters and carrying their vaccine ID cards like it's a reward and accomplishment. Now, instead of just wearing a I voted sticker, they can proudly claim their vaccine status to their fellow virtue signalers. Thanks to all those Christian patriotic humanitarians who have saved millions of lives through their vaccine status. 
I've got nothing at all against fully vaccinated people, but some of them sure seem to have a lot against anyone else who hasn't taken three shots in the past 12 months and aren't looking forward to the fourth in the spring. Yes, some people become booster shot drug addicts with the fiend's motto of it's for the greater good and that they're on the right side of history. Before you know it, they'll be shooting up back alley boosters just to quench their insatiable habit. And who can blame them? The fear-mongering just won't stop. Uh, as we keep being told to prepare for punishment, while Biden states this will be a winter of great death and despair for all the unvaccinated, and only through booster shots might we be able to safely celebrate the holidays with our families. Be sure to ask Santa for his vaccination proof before he comes down the chimney this year, lest you and your family become infected and fall victim to the latest mutations. Yes, it's an endless stream of overhyped fear-mongering and threats demanding our attention and clicks and ratings against something that has a 98% rate of survival, of which the new variant, Omicron, is stated to be extremely mild with no deaths. Uh, the one death that has been reported in the UK is noted as being with Omicron and not from Omicron, and since then uh, that death has been uh, overturned. Uh, they're not even saying that's from COVID anymore. The hypocrisy and propaganda is both mind-numbing and infuriating. Yet the deceptions are so obvious, we just can't ignore it. When someone attempts to look you in the face and lie to you for two years and have to point out the tactics of gaslighting, if you have any dignity and ethics, you have to point that out to them. Anyway, a few pieces from this week. Uh, the first is that the United States has hit a milestone of 800,000 supposed COVID deaths, which is more than any other country. And secondarily, that one out of every 100 people over the age of 65 in the U.S. have now died of COVID in the past two years. Let me state that again. They're saying that one out of every 100 people over the age of 65 in the United States have died from COVID in the past two years. Now, I don't know. I can't help but want them to take a closer look at these supposed figures and morbid milestones which assault our senses every hour on the hour and at every commercial break, simply demanding that we pay attention as long as we only believe what is presented by the mainstream as facts. By my estimation, their own stats and figures can be used against them with holes that are easily poked. To be noted, there are on average about 2.5 million deaths in the U.S. annually, and the number has been rising consistently every year for at least the past decade. Experts have predicted for many years now that the mortality rate in the U.S. was going to keep increasing as the birth rate decreases before leveling out sometime around 2055. The peak of an extra million deaths a year is expected within the next decade. And of those annual 2.5 million deaths the U.S. currently undergoes, nearly 2 million of them are people over the age of 65. About 90% of all deaths in the U.S. annually are of people over the age of 65. Now, let's keep that fact in mind as a point of reference. Okay, next up, there are an estimated 54 million Americans who are currently over the age of 65 in the United States. Is if, if, as recently stated, one in every 100 people over the age of 65 has supposedly died of COVID in the past two years... That equates to 1% of the total population over the age of 65, which would equal 540,000 Americans over the age of 65 who are stated as having died from COVID out of an elderly population of 54 million. That would mean that of the 800,000 that are reported to have died from COVID in the United States, 540,000 of them, or almost 75% of them, were senior citizens. At 540,000 over two years, that would be 270,000 uh, per 2020 and 2021. That'd be 270,000 a year over 2020 and 2021. 270,000 would equate to a little over a quarter of the nearly 2 million senior citizens who die every year on average. Now, wouldn't it be kind of easy to fudge the numbers? on an age group that already makes up 90% of all U.S. deaths in any given year. The experts have stated from the start that the bulk of COVID deaths have been from elderly people who already had two or more pre-existing conditions. The experts have uh, stated 
that they are counting those who have died with COVID as well as strictly from COVID and also are counting anyone who's died within 30 days of testing positive with COVID uh, who have died for any reason. We also know that despite being the most at-risk group, the vaccines are only about 50% effective reportedly on people over the age of 65, yet up to 75% of the population over 65 is stated as being fully vaccinated at this point. Let me state state that again. Uh, 75% of the population over 65 is stated as being fully vaccinated to this point. Uh, They are the most highly vaccinated age group yet they still make up 75% of all COVID deaths in the United States. And we keep hearing about breakthrough infection after breakthrough infection in all age groups, as well as 75% of the people who have recently tested positive for Omicron uh, being fully vaccinated. Yet the war against the unvaccinated continues, as do insane lockdown measures and closures around the world. The drastic overreaction to COVID from the very beginning has been astounding to witness. The hospitals claim to be overwhelmed. Yet if that's the case, it is largely due in part to firing tens of thousands of healthcare workers because of vaccination status and two years worth of medical procedures and surgeries and visits that were postponed due to COVID lockdown logic. Hospitals are getting slammed with two years worth of visits and procedures as well as every hypochondriac who has the sniffles and an itchy throat. There's a reason, besides profits, that Pfizer is now recommending antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication to fight COVID hospitalizations, of which they say could cut the number of hospitalizations in half. According to their own data, people with anxiety, depression, and mental illness are causing half of the problems we're having with COVID. So yes, that's right. Pfizer is recommending antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication to fight COVID hospitalizations, which they say will cut the number of hospitalizations in half by giving people anti-anxiety medication. So you need to think about that. Let that sink in. And these are the experts uh, that are recommending uh, antidepressants to fight COVID hospitalizations. All the while, the billionaires have become trillions of dollars richer, uh, while the pharmaceutical companies are pulling in record-breaking profits with stocks that are through the roof, and the U.S., Uh, as well as the average American, uh, becomes more indebted than ever before. Just how does the United States, which only accounts for 5% of the total population on the planet, have more deaths than any other country on the planet? And of course, the mainstream loves to tell us that most of the deaths, uh, they all happen in Republican districts, uh, because this isn't political at all, is it? None of this has to do with the fact that the pharmaceutical industry is the biggest media advertiser and political lobbyist on the planet, nor the fact they spend hundreds of millions annually on payouts to doctors and scientists in order to promote and endorse new products and medication. Surely that's all just a wacky conspiracy. I think my main point today is this, and I don't mean this to be callous or insensitive in any way. But on average, those who are over the age of 65 account for almost 90% of the 2.5 million annual deaths in the United States, and 75% of all deaths which has been attributed to COVID in the past three years, yet three doses of a vaccine are still stated as being only 50% effective for this age group. Given this fact, and given the fact that we are also dealing with the majority of these deaths having two or more pre-existing conditions, being labeled as a COVID death, even if they just die with COVID and not strictly from COVID, or are labeled a COVID death even if they die 30 days later after falling down a flight of stairs, I think the door is wide open to asking a whole lot of important questions and having some skepticism about all of this. We need to look at the facts and the statistics, use some critical thinking and conductive reasoning in regards to the bigger picture, and uh, just not trust shills like Fauci on whether or not we can have holidays, a job, or can even leave the house. And what does Biden do? He tells us to expect a holiday of death because not enough people are vaccinated. And what's the big deal about a loss of freedoms? Because getting vaccinated is patriotic. Even if I believe the stats 100%, which I don't, 
It definitely does not equate to vaccine mandates, 24-7 news coverage, more lockdowns, ID passports, and the vast majority of what they are pretending is for our own safety. There is no need for the political division or hate uh, from vaxxed versus unvaxxed or the supposed clean and the dirty. Red versus blue in our entire political system is a fucking joke, which is unfortunately not funny at all, and it needs to be pulled off the stage. We are quickly degenerating back to the age of the Inquisition's Civil War divisions over an imaginary and invisible boogeyman. The same Cold War alien pod person witch hunt, biological and nuclear threat narrative of fear that has been used against us for the past 100 plus years. So keep poking, keep prodding, keep digging under the rocks. Truth, which is right in front of us, will be exposed eventually. The lie is too big this time, and the demands on our suspension of disbelief are too great. And now, here's a very special public service announcement reminding us to keep social distancing from the 1986 film Stand By Me. We'll be right back after this very special health and safety message. Done! Diving into his fifth pie, Lord S began to imagine that he wasn't eating pies. He pretended he was eating cow flops and rat guts and blueberry sauce. Slowly, a sound started to build in Lardash's stomach. A strange and scary sound, like a log truck coming at you at a hundred miles an hour. Suddenly, Bardess opened his mouth, and before Bill Travis knew it, he was covered with five pies worth of used blueberries. The women in the audience screamed. Boss man Bob Cormier took one look at Bill Travis and barfed on Principal Wiggins. Principal Wiggins barfed on a lumberjack that was sitting next to him. Mayor Grundy barfed on his wife's tits. But when the smell hit the crowd, that's when Lardass' plan really started to work. Girlfriends barfed on boyfriends. Kids barfed on their parents. A fat lady barfed in her purse. The Donnelly twins barfed on each other. And the women's auxiliary barfed all over the benevolent order of antelopes. And Lardass just sat back and enjoyed what he'd created. A complete and total barforama. It's just one more way of reducing your liberty and reminding you that they can fuck with you anytime they want. As long as you put up with it. As long as you put up with it. Which means, of course, anytime they want. Because that's what Americans do now. They're always willing to trade away a little of their freedom in exchange for the feeling, the illusion of security. What we have now is a completely neurotic population obsessed with security and safety and crime and drugs and cleanliness and hygiene and germs. There's another thing, germs. Where did this sudden fear of germs come from? in this country. Have you noticed this? The media constantly running stories about all the latest infections, salmonella, E. coli, hantavirus, bird flu, and, and Americans are, they panic easily, so now everybody's running around scrubbing this and spraying that and overcooking their food and repeatedly washing their hands, trying to avoid all contact with germs. It's ridiculous and it goes to ridiculous lengths. In prisons, before they give you a lethal injection, they swab your arm with alcohol. to get an infection and you can see their point wouldn't want some guy to go to hell and be sick it would take a lot of the sportsmanship out of the whole execution fear of germs why these fucking pussies 
You can't even get a decent hamburger anymore. They cook the shit out of everything now because everybody's afraid of food poisoning. Hey, where's your sense of adventure? Take a fucking chance, will you? You know how many people die in this country from food poisoning every year? 9,000. That's all. It's a minor risk. Take a fucking chance, bunch of goddamn pussies. Besides, what do you think you have an immune system for? It's for killing germs. But it needs practice. It needs germs to practice on. So, so listen. So listen. If you kill all the germs around you and live a completely sterile life, then when germs do come along, you're not going to be prepared. And never mind ordinary germs. What are you going to do when some super virus comes along that turns your vital organs into liquid shit? I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to get sick, you're going to die, and you're going to deserve it because you're fucking weak and you got a fucking weak immune system. And on the subject of things that make you want to throw up everywhere, this weekend marked the one-year anniversary of the lawless and traitorous coup and insurrection, which is a dastardly day that will forever live in infamy. That was, of course, the riots that took place last year at the Capitol building, which then resulted in daily updates for 365 days every hour on the hour uh, from the Democrats about what a terrible and tragic event it was and even on par with the events of Pearl Harbor and 9-11. Anybody else think they need to shut the hell up about the Capitol riots? Yes, just like COVID, the Dems are milking the Capitol riots for everything it's worth. And you know, maybe, maybe that would be understandable. Maybe we should still be talking about the Capitol riots if it wasn't for the fact that the majority of 2020... We watched as media-endorsed race riots looted and burned a path from one end of the country to the other, with regular assaults on police officers, the burning down of police headquarters and small businesses, business owners having their livelihood burned to the ground, and getting murdered in the middle of the street by the so-called righteous and justified, mostly peaceful protesters who, for the record, uh, didn't have to engage in any of the COVID restrictions or protocols either. Rioters and looters got a free pass for most of a year while threatening to move their actions into residential neighborhoods and murder every cop and white person they saw. Yet some people get into the Capitol building, some of them seemingly invited by police officers in order to pose for selfies and do interviews with reporters, and none of them armed with guns, might I add. And the Democrats have been talking about this terrible tragedy every day uh, for a year as one of the darkest days in American history. Ironically and strangely, more police officers associated with the riots have now died of suicide than people who actually died in the riots themselves. And that's kind of suspicious if you ask me. Was it a riot? Sure, but barely. Was it an insurrection and a coup? Absolutely not. An insurrection doesn't end after a couple of hours when the rioters are told it's time to go home. If it was truly an insurrection, the Capitol building would still be occupied by protesters, while Nancy Pelosi's shriveled and impaled body would be displayed outside the front doors, and uh, the dumbass QAnon shaman would now be President of the United States. Now, shit. Moving on, it's been almost a month since the last episode of this podcast. We got a little bit of catching up to do. What else did we miss? Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. He got off scot-free. I can't say that's surprising, but I was expecting at least some repercussions. And let me say something, because I've never talked about Rittenhouse on this show. Now look, I'm glad the kid was found not guilty, uh, because he didn't deserve to spend the rest of his life in prison, because I think it was clear that he was attacked. That being said, I also don't think he deserves to be a celebrity, or to make money from any of this, or should be depicted as a hero, or held up on a pedestal by the far right. Kyle Rittenhouse, to me, he seems like a bit of a goon. Like, go ahead, go on and write your autobiography. Do something productive in society and get the fuck out of my face. Your 15 minutes are over. What else happened since we last chatted? Ah, yes. The disgusting child sex trafficker Ghislaine Maxwell was found guilty and is facing 70 years. Uh, Yet as of this moment, her defense is asking for a retrial due to the fact that it's been discovered that two of the jurors were sexually molested as children. And the fact that two out of 12 random jurors in this trial 
have been previously sexually molested should raise a whole different discussion here. But let me say something. Ghislaine Maxwell, she has no shame. She doesn't think she's done anything wrong. She has no remorse. Doesn't think she's guilty of anything. And a big reason for that is the clientele uh, are rich and powerful and influential and famous. And thus they validated her own involvement with all of this. The clients were the cream of the crop and only wanted to validate in her mind and in Epstein's mind there was nothing wrong with any of this. At the end of the day, big surprise, absolutely no justice will be served in this fake-ass trial. Even if they publicly executed Maxwell in the middle of the town square. All of Epstein's clients uh, have been protected. And the Maxwell trial does absolutely nothing to change the fact that an estimated 30 million people on this planet are currently slaves to human trafficking and the sex trade. And that one in four, or 7.5 million, of these victims are children. And that annually the global trade of human trafficking is a $150 billion a year industry. Epstein was just a medium-sized fish in the pond of scum and corruption. And Maxwell was pretty much just an accomplice. And of course, at absolutely no point has the possibility of Epstein being an asset of the Israeli Mossad uh, ever seriously been considered with any of this. <sighs> Despite a whole lot of convincing evidence pointing to that possibility. So yeah, needless to say, nothing substantial came from the Maxwell trial, aside from the fact that a lot of files and evidence is reported to have gone missing from Epstein's uh, New York mansion uh, with the FBI raids that took place there. Nothing going to come from this in regards to exposing big-name politicians and celebrities. For all intents and purposes, uh, taking Epstein and Maxwell off the board barely made a dent in the global trade of sex trafficking. The Maxwell trial proved itself to be a complete cover-up and farce. And what else happened uh, this week? What else happened recently? Another thing that happened uh, last week is a former president and all-around bullshit artist Donald Trump stated that the COVID vaccines were amongst the greatest accomplishments of humankind. Trump, taking full credit for the Operation Warp Speed vaccines, is now stating that he is fully vaccinated and boosted and is calling COVID vaccines one of the greatest accomplishments of human civilization and encouraging all of his supporters to go get vaccinated. Yes, the complete fuck tartary just keeps going and going and going, just like the Energizer Bunny. Why is the news so fake and lame and politicized with agendas and corporate sponsorships and just utterly and unbelievably laughable and ridiculous? I guess the answer to that is obvious. It's in order to herd and to fleece the public for everything they're worth, to exert as much mind control and fear as possible, to make as much money and sell as many products as possible, and to use human beings uh, as uh, the electricity. To use human beings in their soul like electricity. They are siphoning the human soul. And on the subject of siphoning the human soul for energy, a couple of weeks ago we got the release of the new Matrix Resurrections movie, uh, which for some reason got universally negative reviews. I hadn't planned on closing the program out today with another of my recent blog posts, but due to the flood of bad reviews, I felt it a little necessary to give my own review of The Matrix Resurrections. Was it an amazing movie? No, but it wasn't bad. Was it as good or impactful as the first film? No, it wasn't, but I personally liked it better than the other sequels, and Resurrections actually kind of made me uh, see the sequels in a whole new light. So yeah, I don't really understand the endless barrage of comments that Matrix Resurrections was a piece of woke garbage and nothing but a cash grab and even a dumpster fire piece of shit. So instead of the poorly articulated and consistently negative one-sentence reviews which have attacked this movie like programmed swarm bots, I attempted an actual article with my initial thoughts about viewing the film on HBO Max on opening day. I went into the new movie expecting the absolute worst, and thankfully I was pleasantly surprised, and I definitely watch it again. So here's my review of the latest film in the Matrix franchise uh, from my blog. You can find it at mentalpop.space. 
That's it, isn't it? If we don't know what's real, we can't resist. They took your story, something that meant so much to people like me, and turned it into something trivial. That's what the Matrix does. It weaponizes every idea, every dream, everything that's important to us. That's a quote from the character Bugs from Matrix Resurrections. With the release of the long-awaited Matrix Resurrections, it seemed appropriate to share some thoughts upon my initial viewing of the film while it's still fresh in my mind. First off, let me say I was an enormous fan of the original film from 1999, and at the time thought it was groundbreaking and one of the best movies ever made, just for the social commentary alone. The Matrix quickly became not only a pop pop culture sensation, but also one of deep philosophical quandaries and questioning the nature of reality itself. That being said, like most fans, I was highly disappointed in both the sequels, although I enjoyed the Animatrix. What Matrix Resurrections has accomplished, perhaps more so than anything else, is to actually make the sequels finally appear noteworthy and relevant in relation to a larger story and bigger picture. To me, that is the greatest achievement of the latest installment. It has reinvigorated the entire mythology surrounding the franchise, while doing so in a completely meta fashion that still makes sense in regards to the original trilogy. And, as with previous installments, it works on multiple levels in regards to our notions of freedom, individuality, and even mass human psychology at large, and why most people might choose to remain trapped in the Matrix. This won't be a review that contains many spoilers, but it's safe to say that it was a treat seeing fan favorite Keanu Reeves back as Neo, as well as Carrie Ann Moss uh, reprising the role of Trinity, and some new faces playing the parts of Morpheus and Agent Smith. Actress Jessica Henwick from Iron Fist has a standout role as Bugs, and the entire cast does a good job in keeping things engaging throughout. Yet there really isn't a lot that is new about the film in terms of action sequences or special effects, nor is there very much characterization of any of the protagonists besides Neo and Trinity, though we do have a good deal of depth with the new Agent Smith, played by Jonathan Groff, and a very memorable performance uh, by what turns out to be the main antagonist in the film, the Analyst, played by Neil Patrick Harris. I was worried going into this that it would all turn out to be pushing certain political propaganda or overly focused on the LGBTQ movement. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Thankfully, while there are definitely some possible trans elements going on, it is nothing that tries to beat you over the head with any certain ideology. Likewise, it was a relief that there was really no political message or promotion of an agenda in regards to politics. I didn't get the sense of a woke message that was being forced on the audience, nor of an ulterior motive other than trying to have a thought-provoking film that attempts and succeeds to resurrect the characters of Neo and Trinity and tie up the loose ends of the last Matrix movie from 2003. Ultimately, this is a film about freedom of choice, opening our minds and hearts, seeing through the illusion of reality, fighting against oppression and slavery, standing up for ourselves, others, and what we believe in, valuing human dignity and true love. As with the previous films, or at least what worked best for the previous films, the paramount message is in regards to freeing our minds from bondage after we discover what that bondage is, which is chaining us. It's a message of hope and inspiration, disguised as a pop culture action movie with lots of explosions, gun battles, car chases, and yes, kung fu. It was nice to finally have what I hope is a suitable finale to the Matrix franchise. I personally don't need another installment and thought this was a nice ending and hope it stays that way. The reboot was inventive in some of the plot devices and trying to catch up with the past 20 years of technological advances in our real world, such as video games and Facebook, uh, though it was also extremely familiar and nostalgic, which was part of the point. As stated this time around, there wasn't really any new mind-blowing special effects, and it was more of a stripped-down love story between the two main characters who were trying to free each other from the control of the machines. It was a little more subdued than what I was expecting, and a lot of fan speculation and leaks over the past few months did give away several spoilers, but overall The Matrix Resurrections was an enjoyable film with a message of affirmation of which we have come to expect from the franchise. I can see why it might have mixed reviews from critics, but I think anyone who loved the first in the series will definitely appreciate the latest installment, 
which allows us to see the previous two pictures in a whole new light and answer some lingering questions. And folks, we did it again. We somehow made it to the end of another episode of Mental Pop. I've decided I'm just going to have no time frame on when these episodes come out. Uh, They might be weekly sometimes, or bi-weekly, or just once a month. The only thing I'm going to be consistent on is trying to keep them at under an hour. Likewise, I'd really, really, really like to start doing some interviews here, and having some special segments hosted by other people out there. So if you have have any ideas on this, please hit me up. Any show suggestions, please hit me up. And I'm still motivated to put out a new zine as soon as possible, Uh, so I'm looking for article contributions on that as well, though unfortunately, the independent print shop uh, that I was working with on the new zine is going to be closing here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, So I've got to find a new place to get these things printed that isn't just going to Office Max or something. Also, I'm motivated to get back into the swing of things with my art. And if you want to help support this podcast and support my art uh, financially, you can find over 300 pieces of my original art available for purchase at www.geneticmemory.online. I'm going to revamp things over there a little bit in the coming months, but for now it's open and it's good enough to purchase all of my pieces through PayPal. What else have we got going on before we close up shop today? Once again, I hope you'll check out the official website and archive of Mental Pop at www.mentalpop.space. Find me on Facebook at MentalPop31, as well as the private Conspiracult group on Facebook. I have no idea what the next episode will be about, but if you have suggestions, please send them my way. If you're a band or musician and you'd like to be featured on this podcast, please send me some music for future episodes. Like I said, I have no schedule uh, with this podcast. But more than likely, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another all-new episode. And hopefully, just hopefully, we can stop covering COVID news here very soon. Though I'm guessing they're going to keep milking it until the teats run completely dry and barren. So until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. You have been listening to the Mental Pop Podcast brought to you by Primordial Productions. My name is Mad. See you in a couple weeks. Keep up the good fight and peace profound. Peace profound.